if he heard your version of what a fool whoa, believes. Whoa, whoa, your version. Sang it with me. I did sing it at one point. Uh, I actually had one of our listeners, Evan, pass along Michael McDonald's publicist's information. Let's do this. So I don't know if you want to. Uh, yeah, I'm on that. You want to, you know, where is that person up? Take a shot of four roses and <laughs> shoot your shot with Michael McDonald before they show up. But would he, would he actually sing with us? Of course he would sing. Why wouldn't he sing? with No, us? I'm saying like, what do you think his reaction would be like? Like oh, everyone, he, would, he, would tell, he would tell us never to do that again. Everyone has to have a terrible Michael McDonald impersonation, <laughs> right? Like I'm not the first person to have a terrible no, Michael McDonald impersonation. No, you, you, but I feel it in my plums though. Like, yeah, I think he would respect that. No, your your version of Michael McDonald's when you go for the high. I'm more of like the much like when I make fun of Dave Matthews. I'm much more of a. I do that part right. You like go on your screechy. That's pitchy dog. <laughs> that's that's, that's a, to no for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you on American Idol would not be the move. OG OG OG. 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 Let's podcast alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovius. Inside Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh. Thanks to Empire Properties and thanks to Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers-plus.com. Do you have a Kyocera installation date, Joe? I do. Oh, it's going to be an experience for you. I'm excited. I can't wait for them to put the software on your laptop and you'd be like, wait, now, can you write all this down for me? Because yes. it's it's going to be a process, man. I'm just telling you. I'm ready. I, All right. I, I'm sure they'll Drew and the crew will have a tutorial for me and I'll be this, on our way. This will be the true test of Copiers Plus and their customer service with you. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So again, check them out. Copiers-plus.com. Duke in action last night. They were mostly whole until they weren't again. Jeremy Roach comes back from injury, but then he has a an ankle issue and he plays limited minutes in the second half, he missed a, a good bit of the, the the end of the first half. Tried to close it out. Tried to give it a go in the second half. Did not work out. But they did get Mark Mitchell back. And look at that. Double-double for Mark Mitchell. Double-double for Kyle Filipowski. It's almost like they need those two guys on the court to make it work. But the, the thing about Duke, it's weird. Last year, I was all in on the Blue Devils. You know this. Yeah. I liked their pieces. I liked how on any given night, they didn't need one guy to take over. There could be a Kyle Filipowski night. It could be a Tyrese Proctor night. Hey, Jeremy Roach balled out that night, right? There's all sorts of moving parts once they were whole. So Duke's having the same issue again, where they haven't had a whole lineup for a good portion of the year. And even when you're excited that they have a whole lineup, Jeremy Roach goes out with injury again. But even then, Joe, Duke struggles to put teams away. Duke struggles to stay consistent on the defensive end or on the rebounding end. And they had no business letting Louisville back into that game the way that they did in the second half. And they eventually pulled it out. It was fine. And you and I were talking about this before the show started in that when you watch Duke play, what is it like watching? It's They're laboring. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like they're having fun. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who do we talk about like that last year? That was Carolina last year. Right. We talked about this year in the beginning of the year, too, about how when the worm turns on you and, and the worm turned on Duke this year. Now there were expectations mm -hmm. and they're not an overwhelmingly athletic team. 
even with Filipowski and and uh, Proctor playing at their best, that, that they're not they don't wow you with their athleticism. No, this isn't don't. you know this isn't Corey Maggette <laughs> taking off from one foot inside the the foul line over at Cameron right, right. against Florida, and I was like, what was that? You know, this isn't that Will Avery and the speed and the blur. Um, it's a different team. And I thought last year, John pushed all of the right buttons to get them to become ACC champions. This year, you know, it's it's harder. Expectations are a real thing, no mm-hmm. matter who you talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not fan fiction. It's not, you know, they're a real thing. And even if they're your own, you you feel like you have to win every game by a million. Like, I was impressed with Duke last night. Yeah. In terms of taking care of business, in terms of getting their parts back and putting themselves on a path oh, to-, to figure out who they are. To be clear, very similar to last year, we didn't see Duke really turn it on until around this time of the year. And that was really Proctor and and, uh, Lively. So now the question is, can Proctor get back to what we saw at the end of last year, injuries aside? Yeah. Can Mark Mitchell be that complimentary piece to get Kyle Filipowski going? And ultimately, at some point, Kyle Filipowski has to up his game. Yeah. If you pay close attention to how the coaches talk, you'll hear me stress this enough. If you want to get a general sense of what's going on, listen to the coach. They will tell you if you listen closely. And you can tell Duke's been challenging Kyle Filipowski to try to like, look, dude, you shouldn't need to be MF'd to go out there. Like you want, you got to have to want this. Go out there and be this guy that you know you can be. And I was joking about it with guys like Connor and Brendan Marks the other day. And they reminded me of a quote from Jeremy Roach from last year. Like when Kyle Filipowski was kind of having games where he was quiet in the first half and then he would come out in the second half. He's like, yeah, man, we had to like slap him up a little bit. Like, let's go. So it's good that Roach is there. But everybody gets it. It's it's like I did not think that in year two with a largely veteran group from Duke, we'd be having these kind of conversations about them. Again, there's layers to why Duke is in the current state that they're well, in. They're in the NCAA tournament. They sure. can still compete for the ACC regular season. They could they could win the ACC tournament again, for all I know. But based on where I'm seeing Carolina come together quickly and have all their pieces together and looking like a complete team, Duke is still struggling to find that rhythm at this point in the year, and that's surprising to me. Well, I mean, Duke did not add a veteran part in the portal. No. And the the freshman that they added, it, it essentially is now Jared McCain. It's a one man class. Yeah, and he's Foster, good. Foster has his moments he, he's coming around. I mean, we, I mean, we, Kane's we, starting to 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 improve from his slow start on the season for sure. Sure, but he's a what six one six two shooter. Yeah, ultimately, again, not you know he can jump out of the gym, but he's he's not like the most athletic guy in the history of the world either. Mm-hmm. So. This is a team that has to play a very specific way. When you're not ultra, when you're not ultra talented, as Shire pointed out, I think it was the pit game that kind of pushed, broke him a little bit, a little bit. You, you, you got to defend, mm-hmm. and you, you got to defend every possession like it's the last on earth. And rebounding too. I mean, rebounding was, and rebounding was better last night. And we'll talk about just how good or bad Louisville is with Patrick Stevens a little bit later on. We're going to be doing bracketology with Patrick once a week now until. Because uh, we are in that wonderful time of the year. S- sticking with college basketball, let's revisit something from yesterday. Because yesterday was more about, hey man, RJ Davis was spectacular. Hey man, North Carolina is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, 
And we did address the whole Wake Forest roster versus UNC roster. But, but we didn't, though. But we didn't. It was like, we didn't, we didn't at the same time, right? And you, I saw you with the yellow pad, and I went, oh, okay. Because you're funny like this. Yeah. It hits me like a day later. Usually. No, it, no. but what, here's what's funny. The difference between you and me, Yeah. right? You know, I was forged in the fires of instant reactions. Yes. You came up in, no, let's methodically look through these things. Let's get it in print. I have time to work on a story. Yeah. We can revisit these things later in the week. Where I'm like, I'm sorry, that's 36 hours old. On to the next thing. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, it's very that's difficult for me to revisit things. So that being said, when I walked into the studio this morning, I saw the yellow pad out. I saw you with pen. I'm like, ah, shit, what's he working on? Like, what's in his brain that he needs to get out? Like, what's this? Like, I'm still right about this no, no, no. mode. Okay. No, so this, this is not what this is about. All right. Let, let, okay. Let's, let's set some parameters here, okay. first of all. Okay. There is a difference between a roster and a team, right? Which I think some people could potentially be confused. That's about. fine. For example, when LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals, mm -hmm. who had a better roster? Oh, the Warriors. I think 99 out of yeah. 100 people would say the Warriors. The Warriors, yeah. that's. But they weren't the best team. They weren't the team that ended up winning the championship, right? Okay, that's that's number one. Number two, all right, I'm looking at this going, why are, all, and, and the, the the universal reaction was, and your reaction in real time was, <laughs> wait a second, are you sure? Yeah, I had to think about it. Like, are you, like, what are you actually saying? Yeah, I had to think about it. And my thought process, and again, now I'm reevaluating, not just based on Carolina fans, but, uh, and, and Julian Council is a Carolina fan, but like the way that he was like, what are you even talking about? Right. right? Like, right. <laughs> this is not a thing. I, I just want to look at this now. Old school newspaper style, one by one. Tale of the tape. Yeah, let's just let's just do this. <laughs> and, a and Frank DeCenzo noted yeah, column. Yeah. And I, I think ultimately the answer probably still is North Carolina. Sure. But what I'm struggling with is like people are acting like it was like the most outlandish. Um, like I came up with this hot take to trigger people. No. Oh, okay. No. Can, can like I, it was not okay. manufactured at all. Can I address it was that real me quick? in my head going, now, wait a second. I would actually take Wake's roster over Carolina's roster. Let me address that real quick. Cause yes, I, I saw that too. And sometimes I don't want to, or that I was drinking before the program. Uh, I was not drinking before that program, before that program. No. Okay. Let me make something abundantly clear for the audience. If you don't believe Jillio, believe me. Okay. Okay. Because I've worked with enough Jillios in my life that I know. Okay. There is a difference between being performative and being stubborn. Okay. Oh, yeah. You are stubborn. You have a I thought a in your yeah, Yes. <laughs> you are stubborn. You have this thought in your head, and it takes you a long time for you to come off this particular point. And you'll fight it, you'll fight it, you'll fight it, which again makes the point of you believe in what you're saying. C Hill, comma, Tariq. Bingo. I will admit, I will admit that there are times where I will be I will be performative about certain opinions. Not because I don't believe them. It's because, again, the difference between right. how I operate and others enhancing. is I'm enhancing. I have to do it to, to get a point across sometimes. And sometimes I will admit I go a little too far in being performative about stuff, but there's always a basis of truth. So that's the difference. So when Joe says, I'll take Wake's roster over UNC's roster, he's not just saying that for reaction. 
I know the difference because I know people in this business who will say things for reaction. And some of you are listening to the podcast right now. You know who you are. So Joe's not doing that. I just want to make that abundantly clear. All right. Let's, so let's do this old school. Here, here they are. Here, here are the players. Mm-hmm. Here are the teams. Okay. okay. Here are the names. I didn't yeah. put any numbers on purpose. Like I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, so-and-so averages more points. So-and-so averages sure, more sure. rebounds, whatever. Let's, let's start with the obvious. Okay. RJ Davis, you would obviously take over Hunter Salas. Well, yeah, obviously well, yeah. even, even in the sec, even if he played a normal game in the second half, mm-hmm. that's somebody you would say, well, okay. Yeah. I would rather have RJ Davis. Sure. Uh, Harrison Ingram, even though the numbers suggest that Carr is at least on the same footing, I, I think most people would take Ingram over Carr. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so far we have two UNC's zero wakes. Boopy Miller, in spite of his performance on Monday, has had a much better season than Elliot Cadeau. Okay. Much better. I mean, there are very few people. Can we go back to Cadeau? We can. Okay. That doesn't mean who's going to be a better player. Now, again, it doesn't even have to be who's going to be a better player, but we'll, we'll okay. get back to, we'll, we'll get back to, I, I think Boopy Miller has had a better season than cool. Elliot Cadeau. I, I agree. Okay. Here's one, you know, you could go equals here, but I think that would be a, a slightly disrespectful to, to Hildreth. Mm-hmm. I think Hildreth is a better player than, than Cormac Ryan. They're very similar. They're very similar. Yeah. But I think Hildreth can actually win you games when necessary. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's Cormac Ryan, nor, nor is it his his role. That's not his role. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the bench. Trimble, Monsanto. Monsanto has been hurt. Yeah, we don't Trimble know. has come on. Yeah. Fine. Marsh and Washington are essentially the same player. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, Withers is a much better athlete than Fredrickson, but Fredrickson's a better shooter than Withers. I, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of wash here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to give either side. Can we just get, I to, would say Monsanto is actually the better when he's healthy, obviously. Yeah. I would say Monsanto, you'd rather have him. Okay. Then Trimble. Okay. I, I don't think that's uh, again, this all I'm trying to, but let's represent get, here. let's get to the, let's get to the, the, okay, the core now, part of this now, because this is where people really had the reaction. I, and this is the part that kind of sort of confuses me. Mm-hmm. And this is how you have a worldview. This, I guess this is a flavor to taste on your worldview of Baycott. Okay. And I will say this. I should not have said that Reed is better than Baycott. I should have said it's a push. Okay. So I'm going to put a push. Even though I know Even statistically, though Efton Reed is the kind of player that gives Armando Baycott traditionally a lot of trouble. So this is Armando doesn't do well with this. This is all I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm just going to make it a push. All Even right. though statistically, you would say, Armando Baycott's done this, all these double doubles, yada, yada, yada. I, I would just say this if your view of Armando Baycott is he is an, an all timer, he is great, he's an all American, he's know. this, he's that. I don't see. Then that. I can't change your view of Armando Baker. No, Armando Baker. It's entirely possible that Armando Baker has this career at North Carolina that does not have his number in the rafters. I would just it's say, entirely. Possible. I would just say on the floor. Yeah, and I think it played out this way in the actual game. Mm-hmm. I think they're very similar players. Okay, so in totality, now when you look at it, and again, even if you want to give Baycott the advantage, what? 
on and again this is on paper and there's a little bit of vibes here there's yeah. a little bit of like who would you rather have here yeah i i just don't think it's like this dramatic like the reaction to some by some people and i get it i get it. they're colored by being a yeah, carolina, they're carolina fan. fan they love this team. i get it they love and, this and after last year in particular yeah but to act like i somehow made it seem like the 09 tar heels were not one of well. the greatest teams of all time like I mean, um, that's the part I'm super confused. Okay, by. a couple things here. A couple things here. There's, I don't know why. And maybe it's Baycott. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's Baycott. I don't think it's Baycott. Okay. I think you're just confused about your relationship with UNC fans. Again, I'm not. they're my heels. Right? No, no, no. There's a there's a long there's a long standing issue here with how you talk about North Carolina and how it's received by North Carolina fans. Okay, I'm a, and I've been working on that. I get, and I'm proud. That, that wasn't what. Monday I, was. Yeah, but that you, wasn't what Monday was. But here's the thing, Joe. Anyway. Here's the thing, Joe. You might be working on it. That doesn't mean they're working uh, on it. Fair. Okay? Like, I was I was actually talking to... Uh, I'll just... I'll call him out. I was talking to to Al from Tar Heel Blog. Yeah. I saw him at the... I actually saw him at the Louisville game. And, you know, he listens to the podcast. And I appreciate that he listens to the podcast. But he's got a buddy of his who refuses... Refuses. Can't stand us. Carolina guy just cannot stand us. Yeah. And he's apparently he says, yeah, man, try to have that conversation with him, but like, they just can't get over the NCAA stuff. And it's like, okay. But again, that's how people think. Once, yeah. yeah. If there's oh, one yeah, thing, yeah. It's one thing I learned in this business a long time ago. All it takes is one moment for somebody to form an opinion about you and they're never going to shake it. You know how long, like there are people out there that still think of me as I'm 25 years old, mm. not 45 with two kids. And a mortgage to pay. Right. All right. Like we're more the same than you think, but because they still think of me as, you know, gold sidekick at 24 years old, they can't get past that mindset. So I think what happens here is that they see you saying something about wake in a comparison. If I have to pick a roster, I'm going to take wake. The immediate thing they're going to yeah, think of is I was being more complimentary of wake than really denigrating any part. Of I agree. I agree. Other than Baycott. And it actually ties. Like if you're a Baycott Stan, I could see how you took that as well. But here's a, that. But that, okay, let's talk about Baycott. Baycott is what he is. In year five, yeah, I, I would hope we're all square we're with what he is. We're all square with what Baycott <laughs> is, right? And he's actually not having that great of a season. He's not. He's an outstanding rebounder. He is, but even still, you know who's actually been more complimentary in the rebounding than him? Harrison Ingram. And again, I cannot stress this enough. My concern for North Carolina going, and this is this will tie us together about rosters and to your point about the Golden State Warriors versus the, the Cleveland Cavaliers yeah. and why this North Carolina team, people are falling in love with it. Why I had arguments with our friend J.C. Zembel, who was rolling his eyes about these litmus tests that we were looking for for oh, North the, Carolina. The pit game. Right. I, I so, would just like to point out, I'm right about Carolina. The whole season. That, but again, how many times do I have to tell you, Carolina fans don't want to hear shit from you on that. Got it. They just don't want to hear it from you. I got it. They want to hear it from Adam Lucas. Sure. They don't want to hear it from you. Okay. Doesn't it mean more coming from me though? No, since no, because you got to remember that in the world of my standard is in higher. the, in the world of North Carolina, <laughs> look, there's a, there's an entire reason why, uh, there's a reason why I ride for inside Carolina when it comes to Carolina coverage, because inside Carolina will actually call out issues at UNC rather than super fanning it up. Right. Okay. Or I'm only going to look at the positive, you know, cause there, there's an entire, there's an entire cottage industry out of, all right, Carolina just got embarrassed. 
but I'm going to tell you where the silver lining is. And there's a Carolina group that will absolutely eat that up. It's different from NC State fans there. We just got blown out by 50 points. All right, it's time to break out all the things that we hate. Okay, it's all in the it's difference. It's a flight in the tracker software. Right, it's all in the difference in the fan bases and how they work. And I think you and I are uniquely positioned, given how long we've done this, to understand the beats of how this all works. But with Baycott, specifically Baycott, I don't understand why we're still having a debate as to what he is and what he isn't. You've used the term garbage man, and it's been used in a very complimentary way. You're asking Baycott to do this job, and when he does that job, you notice that Carolina usually succeeds. So my concern about the Tar Heels going into this year was, does everybody understand that? Is Baycott coming back because of NIL, racking up stats, I got to be the focal point? Or is Armando Baycott coming back because the NIL makes it more conducive for him to stay? And that's the benefit of NIL. But I want to make sure that my legacy at UNC is actually winning something. Because those are the conversations the coaches. I'm not just bringing that up. Those are conversations that Roy Williams has had with guys saying, are you coming back to win? Because if that's the case, we're good. If you're coming back for X number of reasons, draft status, X, you know, whatever number of reasons, then I don't want you. You don't think Hubert Davis is in the same boat? I mean, that team has taken on the personality of Hubert Davis in a way that last year's team never did. Because Hubert Davis cares about one thing and one thing only. And it's kind of fed off that with this team. So I've been impressed with Bayacott, actually. And I've been impressed with the Tar Heels in general because they're actually doing the thing that people talk about all the time. We understand our roles, which gets us to the roster. You might physically, you know, talent-wise, look at Wake's roster and go, oh, man, that's a, that's a nice group but I'll still take UNC's roster over Wakes every single time because is Cormac Ryan as gifted as the other guy? No, but I know what Cormac Ryan's going to give me. Yeah. He's fitting into what they want him to do as well, which gets us to Elliot Cadeau. Is he Boopy Miller? Has he had a good a season as Boopy Miller? No. Does he have to? No. Elliot Cadeau really has to be concerned with two things, and that is facilitating the offense to make sure that RJ Davis is the focal point and you've seen the benefit And then along the way, finding his own game, as you call it, a luxury, finding his own game where he can drive to the basket. He can get some points where needed. If RJ's going through a little bit, he can step up. Those are the things that Elliot Cadeau is worried about. And when I look at these two rosters on the court at the same time, I'll still take UNC's every single time. As a team. As a team. Yeah. As a team. Yeah, I... That's that's the okay. conclusion I'm now coming to. Okay. Not roster versus team. But also, here's the thing with Cadeau. Yeah. Okay. The UConn game, the Kentucky games. Because we're we're no longer in is Carolina gonna win the ACC. Oh no, no, that's, no, 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 no. That's no. already done. No, this is that's already over. I'm with you on okay. that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's I'm, with done. You, I'm with you on that. <laughs> we're now into is Carolina going to get to the final four and win the national championship? Mm-hmm. That's the conversation Carolina's in now. And in order to do that. You go back to the Kentucky game. You go back to the UConn game. It can't just be Davis. So it could be Cormac Ryan. Mm -hmm. It could be. But I think ultimately the answer is that's where Elliot Cadeau needs to go from here to here in order for this team to reach that ultimate goal. Tecmo Super Bowl tournament. It is on February 4th. Shady's in Garner. Email us. The OG goes digital at gmail.com. 25 bucks to enter cash prize to the winner. We'll have goodies. It'll be a good time. Just come hang out, man. Beer. Just come hang out. So I've been kicking this around. Yeah. Um, I enjoy cooking. I don't know if you know this. 
Mm-hmm. I was thinking I might cook for us. Okay. What are you going to make? Uh, well, the go-to in such events would be baked ziti. All right. Gilio's baked ziti. Yes. All right. What do you I'm, think? I'm down with that. Okay. I've never had your baked ziti. I know. It's, to be quite frank, it's usually um, a funeral. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. <laughs> when, when, yeah, you, when you, when you got to bring food for the potluck? <laughs> when you got, no, no, no. This is when you got to feed everybody. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, oh, yeah. when you're doing the, oh, see, you. I associate that sort of thing when like somebody in the neighborhood is just no, 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 no. This is because uh, there's a recipe that came from some old church recipe book for bake, uh, for spaghetti pie. Ooh. Yeah. No, this is like there's 40 people at your house and you have to feed. Got it. This would be there's 40 people at Shady's and you have to feed them. All right. Make the easy. I'm down with it. All right. Let's do it. Maybe I'll make my mom uh, make flan Ooh, for dessert. Maybe that's what we'll delicious. do. All right. Just email us. The OG goes digital at gmail.com. Maybe you now don't. I'm hungry. Now you don't. Maybe you don't want to play tech mobile. You just want to eat baked ziti <laughs> and flan. <laughs> Head on over to breaking slash OG and you can buy some of our merch. Uh, if you click on the link that's in our podcast summary or YouTube summary, that is a referral link. So it'll take you to breaking tea. Yes, buy our shirts. But if you start poking around the website and you see a Carolina Hurricane shirt that you like, well, then buy that too. And that helps us in the long run because we do get a cut as part of that referral. We've been talking about that Tech Mobile tournament. Big thanks to Whitaker and Hammer for helping us put that on over at Shady's. You can check them out, wh.lawyer for legal services, parking tickets, I don't know, taking your house to closing, that sort of thing. That's all at wh.lawyer. Random traffic violations. Speak, speaking of yeah. closing on a house, maybe you actually want to buy a house or sell a house. That's where Hometown Realty comes into play. Check them out. MyHTR.com. Again, that's MyHTR.com. Hometown Realty. Six locations. More than 250 agents. 60% of their business in the new construction. You want to get ahead of that frenzy that's coming with the lower numbers and the summer market? Best thing to do is go to MyHTR.com. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, Charlotte Observer covers the Carolina Panthers. He is Mike K. Mike, what's going on, man? I'm here, like my grandma says. <laughs> uh, it's, been a, it, it's been a busy start to the new year, we'll say that. Yeah, you're here. Dan Morgan's not going anywhere either. He is here. Um, he's been elevated to general manager. There's been a lot made about the process. They had this search firm. Why didn't they look outside the organization? He Look at all the decisions he was clearly part of. I, You and I have talked about this, and I think it's worth repeating for the audience. Just because you've been around people doesn't mean that that's exactly how you're going to go about it. I find it odd that there's not at least a, not a benefit of the doubt, or at least the let's be patient and see if Dan Morgan is his own person and see how the rest of the front office structure looks like. I didn't like the immediate dismissal of Dan Morgan as the new GM. And I think something you'll find in talking to people about Dan is Dan is very uh, direct. Mm -hmm. Um, While he's a consensus builder, his voice is heard. He is a guy who, if he believes in something, he will be a linebacker in his voice. You know what I mean? Like he, he makes his presence known. I think there's a level of respect between him and Tepper, especially because Dan played the position. He played it for the organization. Um, He was on the field. He's a pro bowler. Like his accolades on the field are pretty notable. And then when you go off the field, um, he's very well thought of in Buffalo. I've talked to a few different people who were in that front office, who were in that 
personnel department. They rave about him. Um, Seattle, John Schneider is a, has a reputation of being a very good consensus builder, which is something that you hear a lot about. You heard a lot about it with Fitterer. Um, you will hear a lot about it with Dan. I think part of the issue that the previous regimes have had is it gets to the point where people are stepping outside of their jobs. Typically in, an, in a really good organization, both the GM and the head coach and the coaching staff in general and the personnel department, they're all in lockstep together. They know what works. They know what the coaches want out of their wide receivers, their cornerbacks, their, their defensive back. I mean, they, their, their entire operation. The personnel department then goes and scouts and tries to figure out, hey, this is who fits into this dynamic. This is who has the traits to do this. This is who has worked with this guy, so he probably understands the language. Stuff like that. What seemed to keep happening was coaches, Matt Rule and Frank Reich, would occasionally be like, yeah, I played against this guy, or I played with the, or I coached this guy. We should look into him. Yeah. And instead of just saying like, hey, let's trust the personnel department to do their job. Here's my recommendation. And now that happens in every front office. Yeah. Whatever. But it seemed to me like that was a lot of the demise for the Panthers over the last few years is those coaching recommendations were not necessarily strong evaluations. Right. So what Um, you're getting at, so what you're getting at here, Mike, is there's a reason why there were temple players on the Panthers when Matt, there's a reason why Miles Sanders got that contract. Correct. And so I think when you look at that, I think, you know, Scott Fitterer is very well thought of in the league. Mm -hmm. um, Very well liked. But sometimes I think like he could have put his foot down a little bit more just from the outside looking in Uh, Dan Morgan's Dan Morgan's that guy. Um, Dan Morgan's an enforcer. Dan Morgan is a very, very um, imposing figure in a lot of ways. And I think for him, this is a really great opportunity to to kind of be the flag bearer for this franchise. I mean, he's homegrown in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. but he's also gone off to, you know, I always say you've got to like chase your star. He did that in Seattle. He did that in Buffalo. He got away from the organization and then he comes back. I think he's a good marriage of the present and the past. And hopefully he can be somebody who's good in the future. And I guess the other part to this, why I'm in a wait and see approach, David Tepper, I'm not I'm not trying to absolve David Tepper of the of a lot of the moves or how he handles things. But there's there was every reason to move on from Matt Rule. There was a mistake made, it wasn't working out, you move on. Same with Frank Reich. If if Bryce Young's your guy, you don't want to stunt his development. This clearly wasn't working. Why try to make it work? Move on from him. So sure. the, the next question is, will he have learned of all those mistakes that you just laid out? of influence too many, you know, way too many voices in the room are like, okay, fine. We'll go get this guy X, Y, Z. What's the, is, is he going to learn another lesson with the structure? Is he going to go with Dan Morgan as this player personnel GM, but there's this buffer between Dan Morgan and David Tepper, not that David Tepper won't have influence, but there's going to be yet another stopgap in this organizational chain. Like we've seen in other places in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at structures around the league, this the GM position as football has evolved has become so much more than what people like look at it. It's not just picking players and signing players. It's not just 
managing the the roster. It's managing an entire football operation. And so I thought it was interesting that Dan also got the president of football operations tag as this football guy, this Mm -hmm. football authority. What that signifies to me is that, you know, hey, uh, they need somebody who's in analytics because and, and numbers and salary cap space because that's something that Dan's not really familiar with. You know, Samir Suleiman handled the contracts throughout Dan's tenure as assistant GM. He is now gone. Um, they interviewed a ton of calculator commandos, as I call them, t- trademark. Right. Um, you know, put it on a put it on a shirt, Mike. Put it on a shirt. I, I think, it, yeah, no, well, you guys can have the idea and then just, you know, you can put via the brilliant Mike K on there. Send you, we'll send you a cut. That's what we'll make. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think when you look at uh, Baltimore Ravens pre, uh, VP of football administration, Nick Matteo, I believe that's how it's pronounced. And then you look at Chiefs uh, president of football operations, Brent Tillis. Those are two guys who have league experience they have labor experience they understand operations I, I think that would be a good tag team partner for someone like dan where you would kind of separate the field and 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 be that buffer i think numbers are david tepper's language and in order for david tepper to kind of understand the front office philosophy you need somebody who can speak to him on his terms and his level and i think Having an operations manager is a great way of, is, of you know, figuring out how to set boundaries within the front office. There are owners who are curious. There are owners who want to have conversations. I just think when you have just a one-on-one setting, that's not good. David Tepper is a very curious guy. He likes having conversations. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think sometimes – that can lead the impression or, you know, we, we, we've all had a boss who said something that made us second guess ourselves or, you know, that's human nature. And even if it's unintended, that can happen. I think that's why having an operations manager will kind of help serve as like, kind of like a sounding board for both Morgan and Tepper. Mm-hmm. All right. We got a GM. We'll see how the rest of the front office works out, but they need a coach. And the longer this goes on, it becomes abundantly clear who they want. Uh, The question is, are they going to get him? You know, Ben Johnson is this person that people are obsessing over. And the Detroit Lions are playing again. It's entirely possible the Detroit Lions will be playing again in another two weeks in the Super Bowl. So there's this balance that we see with other openings of how, how much longer do you wait for others while another perfectly good candidate might get swept up by somebody else? So the new the new like bylaws or restrictions now kind of put teams looking for head coaches at a disadvantage because the teams that don't have openings, we're seeing all these offensive coordinators get fired and like jumbled. And that offensive line carousel could be dry by the time you hire somebody if they're working the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the guys who make sense for the Panthers who are still coaching right now. You know, the Ravens have Mike McDonald, who is a sensation like outside of Evero. I think he might be considered the most, you know, prized defensive mind in football right now. Then you have uh, Todd Munkin, who to me 
should be considered a dark horse. I really am. I'm a big fan of the way he runs his offense. He obviously has head coaching experience from his time at Southern Miss, um, kind of built up that program from like a nothing squad to winning nine games his last year. Then he got uh, a couple of OC jobs in the NFL. He's been around the league for a while. He's got a really good, nice balance of college success and, and pro experience. The stuff he did at Georgia was tremendous. He's been able to work with every type of quarterback. I think that that would help. He also knows how to speak to younger players, which I think would be good for Bryce Young, especially a quarterback. And then you look at Ben Johnson, who, you know, by all accounts is still the hottest name out there. I think Washington is laying in wait. I Mm -hmm. think, you know, that's a very appealing job under new ownership. Um, you know, Harris, you know, from the Philly air, like the Philly Jersey, you know, I, the devils and the Sixers, he will put his money where his mouth is. He will be dynamic in how he builds stuff. Adam Peters is, was by and large considered the top executive candidate, Hmm. uh, in this carousel as well. Um, they're doing a lot of interesting stuff there. Also, that team doesn't have a large history of recent winning, and I think the expectations, too, would be kind of gradual. Plus, you know, Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, pretty decent offensive uh, staff, um, pretty good defensive staff, too, of, of players as well. I think that that's a really interesting thing. Now, that said, Carolina's got a lot of money. Um, but what I would say is, is somebody who is very similarly aged to Ben Johnson and who loves what they're doing. If you fail at your first big bite at the apple at 36 or 38, let's say in three years, you still have like another 30, you're 25 to 30 years of this career left. Do you want to be a career OC or do you want to go to somewhere where you feel like there's stability and you can coach for 10 years and then maybe you're a career head coach? To me, that would be something that I would seriously weigh. I think it's something that Bobby Slowick should weigh, who I've been mm. extremely impressed by. I would also say, too, the success of guys – McVay's really changed a lot of perceptions, but the success of guys who were one- or two-year play callers who then took on head coaching jobs, the success rate isn't terrific um, because you're giving them like 75% more responsibility. I also think you should try to hire the coach and not like the box that he fits into – he doesn't necessarily need to be a play caller. I know that that's like all in vogue right now. Oh yeah. That's all anybody wants. Yeah. You know, that's all anybody wants. Although there yeah. are people who want, there are people who want Jim Harbaugh. There are people who want Mike Vrabel and there's a Bill Belichick conversation to be had. So we'll, we'll, we'll close on this. Why hasn't there been a pursuit of Jim Harbaugh? Why has there not been a pursuit of Mike Vrabel? Um, these were hot, hot names there for a bit. Is it because these guys don't have interest in the Carolina Panthers or the Carolina Panthers want to go about it a different way? There is a sense with Harbaugh always that he is, he there's like not an ulterior motive, but there's a sense like, is he just trying to get a better deal at Michigan? That's kind of been the thing the last few years. Now that's not to say that it's true. It's just something that people are very weary of. Um, I think with Vrabel, I think that Wright kind of showed you that when a guy gets fired, maybe he should take a year off the way Doug Peterson did. Because mm-hmm. this is exhausting, man, emotionally and and just in general. I also think that Vrabel, if he wants a job, he needs to 
pick the right place for him. I think when you look at what happened in Tennessee, he had two reported power struggles, one, one didn't win the other. If you're Tepper, do you say, Hey, like I already have my linebacker in charge. I don't necessarily need to add to that. You know, I mean, I think, I think butting heads would be a problem mm-hmm. because of how strong personality Dan and, and Mike are. Um, but I do think the fan base from the outside looking in is not wrong to want either one of those guys. I mean, Harbaugh wins pretty much everywhere he goes. Uh, he's a dynamic personality. I think that Harbaugh wouldn't have the control he would have had um, in other spots. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he would want his own GM, yeah, like a handpicked GM, and that just wasn't going to jibe with, with what Morgan uh, brings. What I will say is the Panthers have apparently been open to a defensive head coach. Uh, Raheem Morris obviously has experience on both sides of the ball. He's reportedly um, interviewing, excuse me, uh, today. Um, Dave Canales is a guy who was one of those one-year coordinators, but worked with Morgan in Seattle. He's got kind of Nick Sirianni vibes, um, which is fine. I, I mean, mean, is it though? I mean, heck, I'm surprised Sirianni still has a job. Yeah. I mean, look, I covered him his first year and a half there. And, um, I think he is a good, uh, despite the way it's looked, I think he's a good program builder. I don't know if he, it goes beyond that. And so that's, yeah, you, gotta get, you gotta get the coordinators, right. If, if that's what you're going to do. And we right. saw out in Philly and why he's, why that season fell apart the way that they did. I mean, when you got to elevate Matt Patricia, I mean, that's just, I'm sorry, but at that point you've, you, the white flag has gone up. Well, at that well people, people were, people get pushed back to the, the Panthers not showing interest in Bill Belichick. Well, guess what? Well, guess what pals? It, it's, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. It's interesting you bring that up because I've never that the 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 Bill Belichick thing has never made any sense for a variety of reasons. I agree. And it's it's I think people need to be asking the question specifically to Bill Belichick. Will he actually get a job in this hiring cycle? Because it has to be the right fit, the absolute right fit. Maybe that right fit is Buffalo. Maybe that right fit could be Philadelphia. I mean, it's not like Atlanta doesn't have playmakers, right? Mm-hmm. So it has to be a very specific fit. The Panthers never made any sense for what Bill Belichick is trying to accomplish in the latter half of his career. Well, Belichick's older than Tepper, and Tepper says that he wants somebody to speak at his funeral. So mm-hmm. I like I, I don't think that that would be for one that doesn't there's check that. Yeah, there's that, and then there's just the, the the roster construction. Like there's a lot, as you like to point out, the Panthers are dealing with compounded mistakes mm-hmm. and Bill Belichick is not here trying to undo these compounded mistakes. Bill Belichick is trying to take the Tom Brady route of what's the ideal place for me to accomplish what I want to accomplish before I get out of here. Right. And the Panthers ain't it. He's got like a two to three year window. Yep. Um, and he can break the all time wins record. If he goes to the right place, Atlanta is appealing because the division's so bad. To me, if I were him, I'd want to go to if I was only concerned about the the wins thing, I'd want to go to the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know. Alas, 
<laughs> uh, I would not go here. This would. This we, would I say, and that's the thing. We can all agree that the Panthers are not a place you want to go if you're trying to get 15 more wins. Right. To get that record, Mike K. Charlotte Observer covers the Carolina Panthers. Mike, we appreciate the time, man. I'm sure that at some point we'll get some more information on uh, on the head coach. But uh, I, I think people can kind of put two and two together. They haven't hired a coach yet. There's certain names that are still in the playoffs. Yeah, I think we know where this is headed. So we'll see how it all plays out. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Mike K for hanging out with us here on Ovias and Gilio. And big thanks to Mosquito Authority. Check them out online, Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority, BugsBite.com. Start the bundle process now. No contracts, so you can start taking care of your indoor needs, your house needs, but also start thinking about the summertime and bundling and saving with their packages for this upcoming year where you can enjoy your patio in the summer. Yeah, BugsBite.com. Get rid of those bugs outside the house. Get rid of the ants inside the house. Maybe you got mice downstairs. Maybe they're in the attic. Moisture under the house. Mm-hmm. Seriously, we we talk all the time about saving money and protecting your number one investment, which is your home. Mm-hmm. Go to bugsbite.com. Enter your zip code. You'll see all kinds of ways to save and bundle because my man, Hayes Lancaster, does not believe in contracts, but he does believe in saving you money. Had a dentist appointment yesterday in Cary. Went to the McDee's through, oh, went to the Taj, the Taj Mabri's through, and uh, you know, p- filled up on gas. Went in, got some water. In fact, I, I you know, it was a water deal. By the way, it was two of these Life Waters for like four bucks. I'm like, I'm gonna pick it up. Then I bought lottery tickets. <laughs> Did you win? <laughs> I have not done. The, the kids like the scratch offs, so I bought some scratch offs, and I'm gonna give them to the kids. But yeah, I went to that breeze through in Cary. You can go to breeze through, get all lottery tickets, water, gas, coffee, all that stuff. It's all at Breeze Through. And big thanks to Butcher's Market. Next week, not this Thursday for the live show, but next Thursday for the live show, we will be at the Butcher's Market on Lake Boone. It'll be a fun time, Joe. Lake Boone Shopping Center, February 1st. Come see us. Are you going to eat live on the show? Yeah, absolutely. Steak and cheese live on the show? No How doubt. many of the stuffed grape leaves can I consume in, the, in, a, in a show? Can I do an entire tub that, of their buffalo that chicken would, dip? Wait, that would be very radio radio e of us to have some sort of yeah. con- eating contest. Yes, let's go. I want to do this. I'm excited about this. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline is our friend, chief bracketologist of the show from the Washington Post. He is... Patrick Stevens. Follow him on social media. Discourse. Replace that I with a one. Patrick, what up? Joe, Joe, happy to join you in your new home. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to bitching and moaning about the net over the next couple of weeks. Uh, in, in fact, isn't that what we should rename bracketology? We should it just really is. It, it really is at this point. You know, I, I actually wrote about it a little bit this week. Yeah. There's basically like two ways um, to kind of game the net, right? There's the go play a bunch, go play a good schedule and win some games, which mm-hmm. is pretty much the definition of being a good team. And then there's wind up in a league where everybody goes out and plays a bad schedule and beats up on everybody. And then off you go. Basically, this is essentially the Big 12 method where mm-hmm. eight of the 14 teams in the league have a non conference strength of schedule ranked in the bottom 100. So and it's because they don't lose and because of the way that they win and because they win, they, they win by very large margins and okay. they're rewarded for that. There are only, two, there are only two 
Big 12 schools that would have what you would call a good non-conference strength of schedule, and that's Kansas and Baylor. You're not going to be surprised by that. Um, There's only two others that are even in the top half nationally, and that's Houston and West Virginia. Let's Before we get super deep in the weeds, Mm -hmm. because let's just pretend no one knows who you are. Let's pretend no one knows any conversation about bracketology ever. They see this man with bobbleheads and... The bobbleheads are immaculate. Like that's... If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Patrick's immaculate bobblehead collection. And what is that? Fleer puzzles back there? Uh, Don, Donner's Diamond King puzzles. Oh, man. In Wait, the I, late I have, 80s and early 90s. Oh, my goodness. I, now I have to know. <laughs> now I have to know. <laughs> as, I, as I try to set up the segment. And now I have to know. Are the bobbleheads alphabetical? Are they by team? By team. Or have you done some sort of Dewey Decimal Stevens system? To arrange the bobbleheads. By team. By team. By Nothing team. Okay. I, I just, I had to know at this point. All right. So let's set this whole thing up. If no one's ever done bracketology before, when you put out your weekly list of who's going to be in the tournament, this isn't you projecting. This isn't you saying if so-and-so beats so-and-so, this is how they'll get in. This is you saying on Wednesday, January 29th, 24th, these are the 68 teams who would be in the NCAA tournament today if the bracket was unveiled today. Yes, it's a real-time snapshot, basically. Okay. Right. Got to make sure everyone understands that from the jump. Um, and when you look at the criteria, uh, a lot of people get confused about the net. And they like to complain about the net. And I think a lot of people, I think, are coming around to this idea. Your net doesn't matter, but your opponent's does. Correct. The net is basically a sorting tool, right? So, you know, you hear about the quadrant system, quadrant one, two, three, four. And so your opponent's ranking is how it determines what quadrant those games go in. And and that's obviously ever-shifting. So you could theoretically, for example, go play a road game against a top 75 team. Let's say they're 73rd. I think that's about what Syracuse was last night, actually. Um. And so you go in there and you think that's going to be a quad one win and you can diminish your own victory by beating that team. So Syracuse (laughs) fell out of the top 75 and is now a quad two win for Florida state as a result of that game last night, as an example. So this stuff is ever shifting. And, and at the moment, you know, this isn't um, you know, it's not March 3rd or whatever, and you're not sitting there really parsing into, well, this is the sort of range the team can go in. There's a pretty wide range. So if you're anybody right now, if you're Wake Forest, if you're if you're NC State, your aim right now is just to collect as many victories as possible and hope that those teams that you beat end up looking good later in the season. Are we at the point in these discussions where we can get a, a good idea of how many teams a conference like the ACC is going to get, or do we have, do we need more data? Cause right now, you know, it's, it's that classic case of, you know, a team loses and all of a sudden we're in referendum mode in the ACC, especially around here. Is it still too early to get it's a, a little, it's a little early for a few reasons. One, right. because you've got 362 teams and obviously not all of them are particularly relevant for this exercise, mm-hmm. but all those teams factor in they're all variables they're all sort of little levers that are uh you know adjusting uh how different teams are viewed so i think by this point you have a decent sense as 
do you have victories that are going to help you in non-conference play? You already have a pretty decent idea of that. Some of those teams maybe you beat and they fade down the stretch and they're not quite as valuable, but you have an okay idea. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so you know, for example, like, I mean, North Carolina knows that that beating Oklahoma and Charlotte is probably going to be a pretty helpful victory for them, a, as an example. Uh, so I think that at this point, again, kind of going back to the last thought, your goal is to just pile up victories uh, and kind of really, I think about a month out is when you really start. Winning bit. is good. Winning is good. Winning is good. That I'm, I'm giving you. I'm name. giving you a lot of uh, a yes, lot of winning is good. Here. No, no, no. This is this is where Joe and I love to play the hits because I always tell him, I don't unless it's an outlier. I don't think a loss hurts you. What matters more is the quality of the win. You mentioned uh, Oklahoma for North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tennessee Correct. is the win that's going to take them a very long way. And if we talk about NC State a little bit, I think there's nothing on their resume. The BYU game is the one I think. That will ultimately prove to be their Brad Davis in this year will be the one that that keeps them out of this field. That's just the way I feel on January twenty fourth against uh, again just looking at this thing. So in your for in your projection this week, do you have three ACC teams in? Is that right? I had four going into yesterday with Syracuse barely getting in as the fourth. Okay. Oh, uh, so. If I were to redo that today, Syracuse probably isn't in there. But having said that, among the next four teams out are Wake and Virginia. So we're not exactly talking about uh, a situation where it's a long shot for anybody else to get into the field out of the ACC. And by the way, NC State isn't that far off. And all of a sudden, Pitt, after winning at Duke, isn't that far off. And suddenly we have to start thinking about Virginia Tech a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because they're not that far off, and also lurking back there, you mentioned you mentioned a disqualifying loss. Like Miami took a disqualifying loss at home against Louisville, um, but they, so they can ever figure things off, out. Joe, all right. So l- let's talk about that a little bit. Do you think Louisville this year is as bad as Louisville was last year? I do and not. If, no, and that it's going was... to keep a team out like it did Clemson last year. Uh, you know, this is not a good Louisville team. And you're going to look at you're going to look at those uh, you know the the rankings in the league. I mean, this is a this is a team that's two twenty fourth in the net right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think what did they probably finish two sixty ish last year? I mean, they're better, but that's not saying a whole lot. That's yeah, a pretty, that, that's that, that's the key part, Patrick. And I'm glad you brought that up because Joe's not the first person to tell me that Louisville's not as bad. As you think, I, I was sitting next to CL Brown of the Courier Journal when Louisville was in town to play North Carolina. And I asked him, I'm like, OK, let's get past the Kenny Payne, you know, stumbles with how he talks about stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Is this team objectively good? And he, the best he could say was I'm paraphrasing. It's like, I mean, they got some nice pieces and they're kind of putting some things together for basketball watchers. That might be good enough. But the numbers are the numbers. And right now, Louisville still is a bad loss on your resume. I, I I really don't know how else to put it. And, and, and as you said, they're not demonstrably better numbers-wise to get over that hump right now if you lose to them. Yeah, there's just simply, you know, at the end of the day, l- let, me, let me bring up, give me a second here to bring up the entire rankings okay. um, of where Louisville's at. Just, just to sort of give you a comparison as to who, what sort of company Louisville is keeping at this point. Ooh, okay? good stuff, all right. L- Louisville right now, Ranks between Canisius, which is six and eleven against D one teams, and Cal State Fullerton, which is seven and ten. 
That's the God Man's old stopping grounds. No, no. Different. Northridge. Cal State Northridge there. Northridge. My bad. I get my Cal States confused. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry about that. So, okay. They're just, they're, they're bad. Got I mean, Straight up, still if, if you want to, if you want to argue from an aesthetic perspective that this isn't as bad as last year, you're a hundred percent right. Sure, because that team, that team last year doesn't go to Miami and win. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to do it. Okay, but you know the, the the numbers say that this is not the sort of team you should be losing to, and frankly, the numbers say Notre Dame's a team you shouldn't be losing to either. So. But, Let's. Uh, we can understand that the the bottom half of the ACC isn't good, and you you cannot afford to lose to those teams. But this is true of every conference. So this gets to the other main talking point this time of the year, and it's been this case the last couple of years. The ACC cannot seem to change its perception problem. It just it just can't. Um, and people will point to Ken Palm. They'll they'll point to free Ken Palm, Bart Torvik. They'll look at any number of things to tell you metrics wise we're so obsessed with the numbers that the ACC just is not as good as we want to make it out to be so how do they change that I mean is it as simple as just scheduling different is it I mean, it can't just be we'll go out and win the good games I mean they're scheduling the games so you got to give them that credit so how do they change this perception you, you, you got to win more games I mean I mean this is there's not there's not really a secret sauce here yeah um, there is a little bit in the sense and we talked about it earlier where uh winning by a lot is better than winning by one yeah. I mean, and that's, I think, and, and people that want to point this out are perfectly fair in saying this. It is probably not a good incentivizing force in college basketball to say beating this team by 15 is going to help you more than beating this team by eight. Right. Okay. Like, is it good that you're playing a non-conference game against a team that's on its way to finishing 11 and 20? And you're going to make sure you pad that lead at mm-hmm. the end. Is that good? Probably is. And it's probably not good for your team development either to not get the minutes for your ninth and 10th and 11th men too. But that's kind of beside the point. Um, so I, I think that ultimately you have, you have to just win more games. I mean, you mentioned NC state earlier and you asked the question, like what, what did NC state do in non-conference play? And the the answer is, is they beat Vanderbilt, which they Mm -hmm. probably thought was going to be better than that. Um, And they beat a St. Louis team that's down. So there's certainly an attempt there in both of those games, uh, scheduling wise. But at the same time, just not games that are going to help you a whole lot. You look at a you look at a Virginia Tech. They actually did go out and win a couple games. They beat Boise State and Iowa State down in Orlando uh, in November. Uh, they're actually not a great case for this, but take take a Syracuse for example. You know they beat LSU, which is kind of a, a middling SEC team right now at home, and they got Oregon on a neutral court, and that's about all they have. And so some of this comes down to can you go out and pick up two or three decent victories in non-conference play? And there's a lot of teams in the league that simply did not do that. I mean, you know Miami has. Some okay wins, Central Florida, Kansas State in a neutral court, uh, Georgia. Uh, but that's still, like, there's just not a lot of upper-tier heft. And, and and some of that simply comes down to you know, now you're at 20 league games and suddenly you don't want to play as many dangerous games mm-hmm. in non-conference play. And, and obviously you're not going backwards on the number of conference games at all. So let's not pretend that's going to happen. <laughs> um, what you know, if, any, if anything, it's going to go up. 
what if the ACC played all their conference games in November and December and January and then started playing some non-conference games in February? And which leagues are they going to play? Same ones. Everything, everything is the same. You just inverse the order. Yeah. Well, first of all, you've got to get other leagues to play their conference schedules early too. Yeah, because they're not. No, you tell them to wait. Like, nah, sorry, guys. Okay, so we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna shake up the the etch a sketch yep. and, and change. Yeah. You know, hey, while we're at it, why not have the why not have the ACC tournament the first week of the season and have Dude, the automatic Patrick, tournament? Patrick, Don't get us started. Patrick, don't get us started. We have actually <laughs> talked to the ACC. We have told them straight up, you need to do. Two tournaments at once. You do the old Big East at Madison Square Garden in November. You do the old ACC in Greensboro in November. You have these concurrent things going on, and then the winners of each one they play each other. Like I don't know what I like that. Are. Like you gotta get you gotta get wild with this. So I am curious if you invert it, what happens? What happens if you're if you're basically switching it up? Maybe there's a chance that a team, for example, a Wake Forest this year. Mm-hmm. has a has its full deck of cards to play with mm-hmm. and has kind of uh you know figured everything out got everybody kind of involved in everything to that point um you know got some cohesion things like that uh, it's a great question and i think one of the things that came from the tournament success a couple years ago and that's a really small sample size it should be noted but where people said oh look well here's carolina and duke in the final four and miami in the elite eight the the ACC was great all along. Well, you know, the bottom tier of the ACC still stunk that year. I mean, that didn't change that. But, you know, there is something to be said for teams that maybe uh, have a bigger influx in transfers or, or, or a team that has high-end <laughs> freshmen being better at the end of the season. Yeah, than it is that it is in November. That's every team at this point. <laughs> that's every team. It's college basketball. <laughs> Unfortunately, right? <laughs> All right, Patrick. We got anything else for Patrick? Do we need a tour of the bobbleheads before we go? No, I think we're good. All I, right. I, I, we're going to have continuous themes here on our weekly visits. Yeah. Though, of good losses and uh, <laughs> bad wins. I feel like we need sounders. What matters? That. What doesn't matter? Yeah. Uh, conference record does not matter. Your net does not matter. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how this thing shakes. Either that or every time those things are mentioned, we put money in a jar. And then when we see yeah. Patrick in D.C. for the ACC tournament, we give it to him. We give it to him. Maybe that's what we do. All right, I like it. All right. All right, Patrick. We'll talk to you later, man. Thanks so much. I am, I am so looking forward to getting nerdy with Patrick the rest of the season. Uh, you want to get nerdy on insurance? You want to get nerdy on saving money? You con- you contact Matt Davis right now. 919-779-8277. InsureGarner.com, the OG insurance.com, and start saving money on your home and auto. The number one thing to do is have a conversation. Like The call literally costs you nothing. But you can save more than 40% the same way that our listener Troy did mm-hmm. by picking up the phone calling Matt Davis over in Garner, 919-779-8277. Also, big thanks to Homefield. Check them out online at homefieldapparel.com. Use that promo code OG23. I was actually emailing with the folks over at Homefield, just you know, checking in, how things been going. Uh, and they're like, hey, February, March, we got some new stuff coming down the line. So keep that in mind. We got, you know how it is around here with the basketball. They're going to have some new stuff uh, related to our area. And it'll be at homefieldapparel.com. My grandmother, you know, lived in our house when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Nana. She called it the golf. The golf. Watch the golf. That was big 
Virginia energy right there. The basketball. The basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Check them out online. Homefieldapparel.com. All right, let's get out of here on some Hey Joe questions. Did it for you, Joe. You know I love it when you do that. Did it for you. It is a Wednesday, so they're open. Very excited about that. <laughs> you know what else is open, Joe? Um, well, I mean, March does not count. Mobile, for today, sir. Mobile sports <laughs> wagering is open, sir, on March 11th. Looks mm. like the vote finally went through, and you can start making legal mobile sports bets in North Carolina starting ahead of the NC instead uh, of ahead of the ACC tournament mm. going into the NCAA tournament. If I read the release from the gaming commission correctly on March 1st, you can start funding your accounts as if you don't already have funds and accounts. Yeah. Well, I don't, I do not have a fanatics account, which I will get. So you're not happy about this. It's, it's happening. Right. But <sighs> I need it needed to be like last week. Why? Because man, what's the Bojangles in Virginia going to do without your business <laughs> or the McDonald's, depending on your mood? Yeah, no, depending on how the how the result goes. That's why I said depending on your mood. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll miss I'll miss making a run. Let's <laughs> <Just> say that. <laughs> I will say that. Also, how much more do I have to worry about your distraction level? Starting during March, the show, March starting March 11th. No, not during the show. Okay, okay. No, are you like? Oh, so is, was so when this happens, is I'm sure you can find something during the show. I see now the wheel. I, I just saw it. The wheel started turning. Like, wait a minute. If I could find is that there something basketball? Well, I've been you know in, in watching Tapa in watching the Carolina Hurricanes. Bally has been promoting the British Basketball League. They got to be playing around the time that we're recording based on the time difference, right? BBL. I'll have to look into this. Oh, boy. Jeez. I <laughs> don't know. Let's, uh, let's not do that. Anyway, I, this is very much um, cool. We get mobile sports wagering. And then you, it's, you know what's going to happen with this? It's going to be shocking how little it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Like mattering in the sense that it's not going to affect your sports experience if you're not interested in it. You're good. You're still you're going to go to Carolina Hurricanes games. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to get you're going to get way more advertisements. That's for sure. Yeah. But in, in no way, shape, or form is it really going to change your overall experience. But for people like Chilio, you're saying the collective, the collective you. you. But uh, for people like you. Here's the other question. Well, I feel like though, I feel like I converted you on this trip to sort of kind of, but here's my question. Cause it was super easy. Here's my question because as it's easy as it is, am I going to be allowed to do it on the fifth floor of PNC arena? If you see me on my phone at Cameron indoor stadium, when you're watching on television, right. and you see me in my little seat there on the floor and you see me on my phone. Are you going to wonder, wait, is obvious tweeting something or is he on the live line right now? It feels like that's where you get the burner connection. Maybe like who's going to be as who, which media member is going to be the brazen media member. That's just straight up gambling on the press row. You, I mean, can you not on that game? 
What what's stopping you from making a bet on that game while you're there? Oh, well, when you're covering it, I mean, you're actually doing work. But what if you this what if the you, old way? What if you position as you're doing work for the audience by saying, "Hey, could be what I'm watching right now, I'm telling you to hammer the over in the second half or something." I don't know. I'm just I'm spouting off gambling you, you, terms. You love totals. You know I don't mess with or totals. totals. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, it depends on what you're there. Depends on what your role is there. Well, who's to stop you from becoming chief gambling uh, correspondent while at a game? Nothing. Okay, then. March 11th. Nothing. <laughs> when we're at the ACC tournament, are we going to be there talking about the game? They already we... have gambling. No, so... I know they have it up there. I know how it happens. That's different. They have it up there. That is different. That is different. All right. So we'll go into the YouTube comment section for some actual response from oh. people. Uh, this is in relation to NC State and North Carolina being tied together, potentially, thanks to the board oh. of trustees. And we got some like some users here. UNC ran the ACC for decades. It looks absolutely two-faced for them to try and bail now. After paying off exit fees and grants of rights, knowing how spending is spending adverse the Carolina's culture is, for what? Reduced Big Ten SEC payouts. Meanwhile, taking millions out of the NC economy, millions for students oh, and powerful yeah. alumni at NC State, Duke and Wake. Whoa. All this after moving the ACC office to Charlotte? I get it. I get it. Uh, this is from Chad. Personally, I hope they are fully tied at the hip for better or for worse. Perhaps the SEC wants UNC so badly that they are willing to give two shares for state and to take both. Or perhaps they end up both stuck in the ACC forever. I don't see them both being stuck in the ACC forever. Uh, <sighs> from Briggs, can't wait for the ACC to dissolve so that we can finally move on to the age of the power to conference realignment will finally be over and we can all just move on. It'll never be over. It'll never be. You sure? Yeah. It'll never be over. Unless the NFL decides that they're going <laughs> to take on the SEC as a minor league. Just saying. By the way, y- y'all peep the difference. Wait, why do people think that Carolina is not in a power position here? I don't. I think the not reason- politically I'm talking about in the state. Oh, I'm talking about as the number one oh, brand I, you know in the why. ACC. You know why? Because it gets back to the start of this podcast. People feel a particular way about schools. Okay. That's why I think objectively also, like North Carolina is going to go to the big 10. That is where they will be. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so confused over like, again, maybe this is how some people look at it and go, well, why would you think, why would you take the wake roster? Right. The same thing. Why would you take North why Carolina? Would you think when, North Carolina is going to the SEC. When, when look at what app state has to offer Joe. You know, I love FC. I know you do. You know, I love ECU. All right, that's going to wrap it up. We are live tomorrow. Sleek Fleet OG live. It's going to be a jam-packed, star-studded show. Lauren Brownlow is going to hang out. Brooke Pryor in studio. Wes Durham is going to drop on by. So check us out. Two o'clock on YouTube with the podcast to follow. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, 
bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.